Hello everyone and thank you for attending our webinar series on COVID-19 vaccination on, in Southeast Asia. Today we will discuss vaccination and employment law in Bangladesh. My name is Marion Karl and I am a senior legal advisor and head of the FDL's employment practice group. I will have the pleasure to host this series of webinars. For those who are not familiar with the FDL, we are a law firm based in Southeast Asia and we specialize in emerging markets. We are present in nine countries and employ over 150 advisors and more than 300, 300 staff. We have a dedicated team uh, dedicated to labor and employment across our various offices to ensure that our clients receive constant, seamless and appropriate legal assistance when employment related issues arise. In this webinar, we will provide lawful consideration for employers on COVID-19 vaccination in Bangladesh. Joining us today on the program are Shawar Nizam and Taranam Tasmim, who are both partners. Shawar and Taranam are joining us from their office in Bangladesh. Welcome to the program, Taranam and Shawar. How are you today? Thank you, Mariam. We are doing okay. Um, unfortunately, Bangladesh is under a lockdown. Um, so we are both uh, working from our respective homes. Um, things uh, because of COVID uh, uh, since March, uh, the, the numbers have been increasing. So for the last three to four weeks, we are uh, uh, the country, the whole country is under lockdown. Okay, so I think that we can start and maybe be, before we actually move to the, uh, you know, COVID-19 vaccination related question, can you maybe, you know, start and, and give us a little bit of background on Bangladesh employment laws? Certainly, thank you. Um, so uh, Bangladesh is an English common law derivative jurisdiction. Uh, most of the laws and uh, regulations and the legal system is based on English common law. Um, so historically for employment law, we have had uh, specific statutes that uh, covered employment in various ways. Um, we've had laws dating back to the, uh, to, the, to the last century in the early 1920s and even before that. Um, but what has happened is that in 2006, uh, there was a statute that basically brought together or codified all of these older laws from the uh, 1920s up to that time um, and uh, brought together the new labor law that we have now. Um, it basically uh, did not really change a lot of those things, uh, a lot of the basic principles or premises, but it just uh, streamlined uh, all of the provisions in one statute. I mean, for example, previously you had statutes going back to 1920s about employment of women, employment of children, Workmen's Compensation Act, specific laws for uh, dock workers, specific laws for drivers, uh, specific laws for people working in factories, um, specific laws for uh, that brought in women's uh, right to have maternity leave and all of those things. So uh, these were all uh, spread all over the last century and a half. Uh, what the new labor law did was basically brought all of them together under one law. And uh, the statute was uh, not very detailed. It was very, uh, it was quite, uh, it was, its main purpose was to streamline all of these things and bring everything under one statute. And then eventually in 2015, we have a set of new labor rules, uh, the subsidiary legislation, but that basically 
brought in a bit more elaboration, a bit more detail about the statute of 2006. Um, so those are the basic laws that we have now uh, uh, for, for Bangladesh. And uh, the basic premise has not changed, as I mentioned earlier. It's still based on uh, worker, non-worker difference. Um, so basically, um, people uh, who are uh, doing, undertaking more menial uh, uh, labor type work, they are considered as workers. And people who are uh, considered to have managerial or supervisory responsibilities, um, and in short form, the commonly known local term is hiring and firing responsibilities, they are considered as non-workers. However, um, despite this difference in the law, when we actually go to the labor court that is set up specifically under the labor laws to deal with labor matters, we often see that the labor courts are quite uh, pro-employee um, in the sense that they try to make sure that the aggrieved person or the employees who uh, come to the labor court for uh, redress get a fair uh, uh, redress or compensation uh, from the courts and they're always looking out to uh, uh, to help the, the, the employees. So that's just a general overview of the labor laws in Bangladesh. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. This is actually very helpful and I learned actually myself a lot of things. Um, so maybe now we can, you know, uh, move to the core of our topic and uh, and I would like to know a little bit more, I, you know, um, so you mentioned a little bit, you know, the situation, I mean, your situation in Bangladesh right now, but how you do, do did you, how do you describe, you know, the, the, the current situation uh, regarding, you know, COVID-19 in Bangladesh and, you know, has the government started implement, you know, the uh, vaccination campaign against COVID-19? Yes, um, thank you very much, Marion. Um, the COVID-19 situation has gone through a bit of ups and downs uh, since uh, 2020. Um, initially, in the in the in the in the early days, uh, March April 2020, we had the first few cases of COVID coming in, and eventually it grew into uh, some alarming numbers in uh, in May June, and the government imposed the first lockdown in May uh, around that time in 2020. Um, but by around um, October November, things actually started improving in Bangladesh. The numbers came down to single digits and. Uh, it was really uh, uh, becoming a very uh, good situation because everybody started feeling that things are getting back to normal. Offices, shops, everything started opening up. Um, we started uh, working, um, uh, going back to the office. Everything was business as usual. We had travelers coming in, clients flying in from outside. Everything was going uh, really well. Suddenly, in early March, since early March, there has been a spike in the number of cases in Bangladesh. And this time it was uh, a, a lot worse than last time around because this time we had, uh, uh, we started seeing more fatalities and uh, more uh, uh, sort of faster uh, um, worsening situation where within a week of people getting diagnosed of COVID, they were going to a point of no return and it was affecting younger people. And very quickly it was identified as the South African variant uh, that came in and started wrecking havoc in Bangladesh. So uh, since late March, um, there, there has been the number has risen to uh, record levels. Um, the number of uh, daily deaths uh, went beyond uh, 90 plus. Uh, and in the worst situations, it was uh, almost 100 a day uh, across the country. 
and um, that resulted in the government taking very quick actions. Um, but by that time, coincidentally, vaccination program had already started. Bangladesh had this uh, uh, arrangement for uh, having the Oxford version of AstraZeneca uh, vaccine. Uh, there was an agreement with the Serum Institute of India for purchase of 70 million vaccines. So the initial few rounds of uh, uh, shipments of vaccine came in and um, from um, um, uh, February, uh, late January, early February, the vaccination program started in Bangladesh in 2021. Uh, after an initial couple of weeks of not very lukewarm reception, uh, the public really started uh, uh, accepting this vaccination campaign um, because firstly, we saw a lot of the government officials, the frontline workers and everybody, they were given the vaccine. And by the way, this is all free, uh, free of charge. The government isn't charging anybody for anything, any of this. And the government made sure that uh, it was not going to the private sector. It will be all under a government-run program. And interestingly, it was all done through a mobile app. The government launched this app called Shurokha, which means uh, uh, well-being uh, in Bangla. And this app uh, started registering people for uh, the vex vaccine. Initially, it was only for the frontline workers and the police force, the doctors, the armed forces, and, this, the, uh, and that category. But within a month or two, it was opened up to the public who were above 40. And anybody who was above 40 can go onto this app, go onto this website, use the national ID number, and register for the vaccine. And this turned out to be a very, very successful campaign because it was very specific. You could choose a vaccination center that is close to you. And these vaccination centers were rolled up across the country, not just in the major cities. Mm. So even in the local um, areas, in the rural areas, in the local administrative offices, there were these vaccination booths. So in, after the initial um, few days of uh, a, a bit confusion, it really took off very well. And within a month's time, uh, a large number of people were vaccinated. Um, so by May, uh, 3rd May, I think the number was about 5.8 million people received their first dose and uh, almost 1. Point, uh, uh, sorry, almost 2.9 million people received their second dose. So uh, as you can see, within a very short time, a large number of people have been vaccinated. Um, and um, Unfortunately, this has uh, this is coming to a halt because just last night uh, there was news that the government is running out of the vaccine. Now, because we had a, uh, an arrangement with India, and uh, given what's happening in India domestically, uh, they've uh, stopped export of vaccine. So it's uh, slightly uncertain as to what's going yeah. to happen for us uh, for the remaining doses. Yeah, but uh, yeah of course. Uh, yeah, because India is yeah, of course. Uh, prioritizing the, uh, the, the vaccine uh, for, for the people. Yeah, okay, I understand. Um, thank you, thank you very much. This is very helpful. Um, now maybe, you know, we can move on, uh, you know, one more specific questions. And, and the question actually we get a lot, and personally I get a lot is, uh, okay, so now, you know, the vaccination campaign I started. So as an employer, can I require my, my, my employees to be vaccinated? Uh, I will request my colleague Tarnum to please answer that question. Thank you, Mr. Nizam. So, uh, the answer is no. 
uh, employers cannot mandatorily require the employees to get vaccinated because the vaccination program is operated uh, by the Bangladesh government and only a selected group of people can get vaccinated. Mm -hmm. So, and vaccination is not actually available through private sources. So, no, uh, you cannot uh, require your employees. So but it's I an presume option for them. It's an option for them, but uh, you cannot mandatorily require them. Mm. And nothing in the law, you know, suggests and, and impose employers to be part of the vaccination, right? It's really at the governmental level right now. Exactly, because government has actually provided this as a privilege, okay? And it's not something obligation. They have given the options that the frontliners, like health workers, uh, the uh, journalists, the bankers, the police and government employees, uh, who are the frontliners, they can get vaccines and people over 40 years of age, they can uh, only uh, actually get uh, uh, vaccinated. Mm. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, so another question that is uh, quite of interest to our clients is, you know, how we handle, how we deal with, uh, you know, the information related to vaccination from a data protection perspective. And especially, you know, for those employers who uh, you wish, you know, to, to ask their employees to provide information as to whether they have been, they have been taken the vaccine or not. So is an information concerning an employee's vaccination is considered as health information or sensitive data under you know Bangladesh law? Uh, actually, there is no law yet, but there is a draft rules uh, uh, which is known as the Protection of Information and uh, Privacy Rules 2019. But it's still in draft stage; it's not published yet. So this law uh, requires that, yeah any um, health information will be considered as sensitive personal information and you need the uh, respected person's consent if you want to actually uh, disclose this data. So though this rules is not yet uh, in force, but we will advise that uh, this vaccination related information of the employee should be considered as a sensitive personal information and it should be protected. And okay, on, based on the assumption that these information related to, to vaccination are considered to be uh, sensitive data, is there any restrictions uh, provided under the draft rules that, you know, apply to, to such information that the employer should be aware of? Uh, yeah, the restriction is you need to actually take permission uh, from the relevant employee. Uh, that can be through a letter or fax or email mm -hmm. or a clearly, any clearly written evidence. So yes, that or in, in written form, right, to make yeah, sure yeah, that yeah. we, okay. okay, exactly. Great. And so this was, you know, the general, uh, you know, um, sorry, this was actually the, 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 the rules applicable to sensitive data, but um, is there any specific requirements that will apply to uh, the collecting, processing and transferring of, you know, such data? As I told you that uh, the, there is a draft rules, but it's not yet in force. Uh, so the draft rules actually uh, provides you certain uh, modalities uh, for the, uh, collecting the information. Like uh, you have to let the uh, employee know 
that what personal information is being collected and the purpose behind such uh, collection, then um, uh, to whom this uh, data will be provided and for how long uh, this information will be actually uh, uh, maintained by the employer and then um, uh, rules for handling grievances or consumer complaints procedure. So uh, there are certain actually uh, things that the new draft rules require the employers to maintain while mm -hmm. uh, processing and transferring personal data. And is there any specific uh, schedule, you know, for the insurance of the draft rules or, or we don't know yet when, you know, it's likely to be issued by the government? Um, actually, it was going to be issued back in 2019, but then, uh, the, you know, last year the lockdown was uh, declared and after that these government offices are uh, uh, open only for uh, limited activities. So, uh, now we don't have any visibility actually when this will be published. Okay, okay. Um, and, and finally, I mean, this is also a question that you, you need to get a lot and, and I and I also anticipate that you will have even more when, you know, the, the vaccination campaign uh, will gain even more people. Um, but yeah, assuming that, you know, half of the population in uh, Bangladesh is vaccinated, uh, can employers then will be able to, uh, you know, uh, terminate employees who have received, who have refused, sorry, to take the vaccine? Is it like a plausible uh, termination grounds? No, because you have a set of uh, termination uh, grounds uh, provided in the labor law and uh, refuse uh, to be vaccinated cannot be actually considered as the uh, prescribed ground under the labor laws. So rather it might be uh, actually considered as a discrimination to the employee because uh, the law uh, clearly says that you cannot discriminate on, uh, uh, on the uh, ground of health condition or any other thing. So, uh, the employer actually cannot terminate uh, an mm -hmm. employee if he refuses to be vaccinated. And I presume the same principle will apply to an employer who refuses to, to hire an applicant on the grounds that he or she has not been, you know, vaccinated. Yes, obviously. Okay. He cannot actually refuse to hire someone because the employee is not uh, vaccinated. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, another question that is quite interesting um, because it mixed, you know, different different concept is can an employer require employees who cannot or will not agree to vaccination to refrain from coming to the workplace? And this is actually a very interesting question because, you know, employees are free to, you know, take or not take the vaccine. But ab what about, you know, ensuring the health and safety of the other employees working at the same workplace? What is your view on on, on this? Um, I think uh, no. Please, Tarnum, go ahead. I'll just supplement. I have mm -hmm. something that I want to. No, since there is no specific legal requirement or restrictions on this, so I, I don't think that uh, an employer can uh, impose uh, anything like this. Okay, the uh, rather such action may uh, be considered as a form of discrimination. Okay, mm -hmm. that's uh, what I think. No, and also, I mean, the rationale is uh, very clear that the vaccine is even uh, even now it's not available to everybody. It's only available to those above forty. Okay, so you cannot uh, actually make this a, a requirement because those under forty years of age are not even entitled to get the vaccines. 
thank you, thank you very much. And I will now wrap up. So let me thank our speakers. Um, for those who attended our webinar, if you have any questions regarding this webinar, please feel free to contact me and any speaker. Um, you can find our contact information on our website at www.dfdl.com. So that concludes our webinar for today. Thank you again for your participation and I'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.